When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, y'all? Welcome in to the DNBI Rams podcast presented by Natures of Colorado, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Remember to use the code DNBR online or mention DNBR in stores or drive-thru. It is Super Bowl Sunday, a couple hours before game time. I appreciate everybody that tuned into DNBR Rams Live this morning. After it, I was able to catch up with my longtime friend, Eli Betker. He is the founder of Heat Check College Basketball, one of the best national college basketball media guys in the market, or in the business, I should say, and truly one of my better friends in this industry. So it's always fun to have him on and, and catch up. Uh, he watches the Mountain West as much as anybody out there. It was fun to get his perspective on CSU, what's allowed them to be successful after that, that rough stretch where they went two and four against some league competition. We talked about the Mountain West as a whole, who are the most dangerous teams, league perception, the possibility of what CSU should do if Nico Medved is poached by a bigger school. Eli, much like me, very much in favor of promoting Ali Farouk Manesh. It was a really great conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it quite a bit. So instead of rambling on, I'm going to go ahead and get right to that. Real quick, it should not be a stressful process when you're buying tickets. And with game time, it doesn't have to be. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever. If you want to go to it and there are tickets for the event, game time is the place to get those tickets. They have last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. They are just finding different ways to save you guys money. What's really cool about game time is you can do a zone deal. You pick the section, game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Also, if you find seats in the same section, same row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. They show you the price that you're going to pay right up front. They don't hit you with a bunch of fees late. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the app, create an account. Use the code DNVR to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply again. Create an account. Use that code DNVR for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. I also want to talk to you guys about the killer deals at Natures of Colorado. They provide an amazing grade of cannabis and a vast variety of products. Check them out for all your needs. Infuse edibles, high-potency concentrates, and of course, some of the best flour in the state. There are four convenient locations, Log Lane Village, Garden City, Sedgwick, and Millican. Natures of Colorado is the go-to dispo in northeastern Colorado. Save time by ordering online at naturescolorado.com. Stay cozy in your car, pick up conveniently at the drive-thru. Again, make sure you use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. Their deals include a $99 ounce every day, but if you use the code, you can get an $85 any shelf ounce. Awesome deal. 
They've got exquisite extracts, two gram buckets for 15 as well. One last time, remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. All right, we have got longtime friend of the podcast, founder of Heat Check CBB, Eli Bedker. We're going to talk Mountain West. We're going to talk CSU. Um, normally, we'd get into pleasantries, but we already did that before. So I'm just going to jump right into business here. Uh, I mean, I am paying Eli by the hour. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts, man? Obviously, CSU, they start the season great. They have kind of a rough stretch at the beginning of league play lose their first four road games in conference play, a common theme for a lot of teams this year in college basketball as a whole, but have really responded over these last four, four game winning streak, three straight double digit wins. Uh, They've led for 148 minutes and like 30 seconds of a possible 160 minutes. Haven't gone down by more than two in this winning streak. Um, Just what's your thoughts on, on how CSU has handled all this? Yeah, that's that's a, a great segue. I think Colorado State's done a really good job to steady the waters a little bit because there was that stretch where they were two and four and um, lost all four road games. Like you said, it's it's so tough winning in this league on the road. And that's it's like <laughs> it's almost a cliche at this point, but there is so much truth to it. And we're seeing it basically every night that this conference has games. But this was a get right opportunity. Obviously didn't want to lose three straight. So securing that win over San Diego State was huge. And I know that's the next one on the docket. So um, if CSU can pull that uh, that sweep of the regular season, that would be absolutely massive, not only for at-large hopes, but but also for seeding. But it it's similar to the type of adversity that pretty much every team in this league has faced throughout this season where you just have to respond and you have to get a win where you're probably not expected to. But uh, the defense has, has been great of late. Now seeing where their efficiency metrics are on a national level is as good, if, if I'm not mistaken, as they've ranked defensively all season long. So that's been certainly on the upswing. And just just taking care of business against the weaker teams. And, and we see this, especially now looking at what UNLV has done to some of the competitors in the conference, what Wyoming has done. Just every time you get a chance, it's almost like, a, a brief break. If you can play a Fresno state or a San Jose state or an air force, you just have to take care of business. And if you can cover the spread and help your efficiency metrics a little bit, I think that goes a long way. So it's, it's an important stretch for CSU and, and good to see that they're back on the upswing again. They have a huge stretch coming up, obviously really challenging. Um, I want to get into all that, but I, I want to go back to one of the things you mentioned, which is the at-large resume, because it's been a, a big point of discussion among CSU fans. That makes sense. When they lost those four, it I couldn't convince the fans that they were still in good shape NCAA tournament-wise. But I was like, I'm telling you, they really didn't have a bad loss until Wyoming, as far as the metrics go. Where do you see this team in the picture right now? And I, I mean, how many more wins do you think down? They've got seven games left, a couple quad one opportunities. To me. If you win three games, I mean, you beat Air Force and Wyoming under this assumption, and you steal one of the, you know, Utah State, San Diego State, New Mexico, UNLV games, I, I think you're comfortably in. And I think there's a chance they could get in, even if they went like two and five down the stretch. That's not what you want. But I'm just, where do you see the Rams in terms of their at-large resume? Because they don't feel very bubbly to me at the moment. Yeah, I, I think they're still safely in. And that's obviously with the caveat being that this next five game stretch is a gauntlet and pretty much I would say the toughest five game slate that they have to play all season long. I mean, it's, it's brutal, but 
At the same time, if it's the glass half full approach, it means that there are opportunities aplenty for significant road victories or chances to beat the likes of Utah State and Nevada at home, which obviously helps the resume quite a bit. But their their metrics are still good. They're anywhere around the 30s, I'd say, nationally in terms of Ken Palm. Net. Like a lot of these metrics that mean quite a bit for what the um, NCAA selection committee is looking at. But still, not I mean, not really a whole lot in terms of blemishes. Of course, a quad three loss against Wyoming does hurt, but that does get excused at the end of the day when you have several quality victories as well. So when, they might pull their metrics up. Like there's a yeah. chance where that becomes a Q2 loss by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, that, that's, that's a great point. And I think the other thing too, being that they currently have at the time of this recording, they have three wins against quad one and they're perfect four and against quad two. That gives you seven for the top two quadrants here. And a lot of the times on Selection Sunday, we're looking at ACC teams that are maybe like three and 12 against the top two quadrants or like four and nine. Like it's, they're they're more than in the mix, even if they were to go on a big slide here. And I don't anticipate it just so long as you ha- don't have a Q4 loss and really the only opportunity to do that would be home against Wyoming. So I, I think they're still in pretty steady shape. How has your opinion of CSU changed this season over the course of the the year, or or has it changed? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think <laughs> that's a really good question. I think the the truth of a lot of these teams always lies somewhere in the middle, and that maybe that's also a bit of a cliche to say. But I think the team that started thirteen and one was maybe a little bit more. Um, maybe they probably played a little over their heads. Yeah, yeah. I think I think played a little bit over their heads. Could have very well been fourteen and zero had they beaten uh, St. Mary's at home. And then I also don't think that they're the same team that went on that two and four slide either. And that's a very very tough slate. And they're competitive in pretty much each of those games. And and obviously should have taken care of the Wyoming game. And that's one that certainly they they gave away. But I think. Uh, in terms of what we were talking about, I think when we last discussed this team, maybe in December or so, is I think it's still a team that can reasonably win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. And heading into the season, if the expectation was here sitting in mid-February that CSU would be pretty safely in the at-large mix and is probably going to be a team that could very well be favored in their first round NCAA tournament matchup, I think you take that every single time. So uh, the defense has gotten a lot better as the season has progressed. I trust this team just the way that Nick Clifford has emerged with Isaiah Stevens at the point. You're always going to have a chance. Patrick Cartier has been phenomenal. Um, they're as dangerous as, as any team that's going to be in that, I'd say, six to nine seed range, and that's all you can really ask for. I think their depth is the big difference this year. And we talked about that a lot last time you were on. And I, you know, made the argument that I think this team top to bottom is, is deeper than the team from two years ago. Obviously Roddy is his own star power, but Isaiah Stevens has, has just been incredible. And with neat coming in and, and all that, but what's been great for me to see of late is the rotation has finally started to kind of pitch back in offensively. You know, guys like Jalen Lake, they're unsung heroes with what they bring to the table defensively, but you know, you need some of these guys to to pitch in and hit some of the open shots when they're available. And you have 23 points uh, and back-to-back wins now. So that's that's encouraging. And I mean, we're seeing a guy like Rashawn Bemba, true freshman, really come to life. To me, he could be that X factor that kind of gives the Rams that extra gear. I mean, especially if you can get, you know, 
I don't think he's going to go for 15 a night, but if you could get like eight to 10 out of him a night, have him play some hard defensive minutes, get to the line a couple of times. I mean, it's just, we've really seen some other guys step up in a way that wasn't really happening when the Rams were struggling. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's exactly on point. And to go back to your earlier point as well, although uh, the Stevens Roddy team was, was phenomenal. That was such a fun basketball team. And at the same time, there is probably a level of an expectation that maybe a team that doesn't have two superstars on it and a, a little bit more balanced across the eight, nine man rotation is a better basketball team. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing playing out this year. Um, and it's, it's just not even, it's not a slight to the coaching staff or to Roddy. It's just how this game works sometimes. And I'd say CSU's best strength is, you have a superstar in Stevens and his best ability is helping out his teammates. And he has, like you said, eight, nine other guys who could reasonably finish in double figures on any given night. So it's, it makes it so challenging for defenses to just key in on one guy, because I guess the one guy who you're keying on in is Stevens, who's looking to distribute to all the other, uh, all the other weapons on this team. So like you said, Bemba, the way that he's emerged, I think it sets up for a great future and what he's going to do in a Rams uniform Neat Clifford looks like he's capable of putting up 20 a night if, if he so chooses. And there, and Patrick Cartier has been so steady throughout the year. So um, I love the weapons on this team. They've got length. They've got all sorts of versatility from where they can hit from all three levels. And uh, I'm Joe Palmer as well. Like he, He's been a guy who's been, you know, been able to add a little bit more here and here and there every night. So, um, yeah, super fun team. They're balanced, they're versatile. And I think all these weapons is really what their biggest strength is moving forward. I just wonder if that would be the difference between CSU separating from the field here down the stretches. I just feel like, I mean, Isaiah had, he had 11 assists. He only had nine points though. And when you can win by 20, albeit against one of the bottom teams in the league, when you can win by basically 20 without even getting double digits from your, you know, expected Mountain West player of the year contender. And, you know, 11 points from Neat Clifford, your other probably all conference player in the mix I just wonder, like, I, I don't know if a team like San Diego State could win without Ladie being, you know, going off. Like, I, Dagen Hart had 25 the other night for Boise State, and it still didn't matter. I think he was still in minus for plus minus because nobody else, you know, was able to step up for him. That That is one thing I've noticed of late, and I'm trying not to get too carried away because obviously, you know, with my heart, you know, it's it's on the line here, but when I do talk myself into, no, this team really is the best in the league. I think that's probably what I, I would like the most about them is outside of maybe New Mexico. I, I don't think anybody has a starting five that's as complete as this starting five. Yeah, I think, I think that is the biggest benefit that Colorado state has to the other competitors in the conference, because, and I, I've looked at these numbers, Nevada, for example, when one of Lucas or Blackshear isn't hitting, they are super susceptible to to dropping a game. San Diego State, beyond the D, like they, they've been really inconsistent offensively and struggled to hit open threes and, and make baskets. And a lot of the guys like Tremel and Butler and even Parrish to some extent, who I thought were going to kind of have a breakout season this year, haven't really reached that level yet. And maybe they do. San Diego State always feels kind of like an inevitable in this conference, but Beyond as soon as they get to Vegas, they'll turn it on. <laughs> right. right. Then we'll see Paris go for 25 and Tremel will play like he did last year in the tournament. Yeah. Um, but like beyond Ladeed, I think they have a lot of question marks offensively. New Mexico, uh, they're super balanced as well, but I would say they're 
they're a different team when they're on the road. They're explosive at home, and now they've even dropped some home games as well. But Utah State, outside of Great Osibor, like I, I don't know. There's some there's some questions there as well. So um, if we're going extremely in the direction of why Colorado State can very well win the Mountain West tournament, and you can point to one reason, I think it's because there's a reasonable chance that Isaiah Stevens can shoot three of 11 from the field and they will be okay because there are so many other weapons on this team. Yeah. Seven teams right now, all within a game and Wyoming sitting there only two games back, very quietly frisky in the mix. I I don't see any way in which the league winner has less than five losses. That's never happened before, but you just, you look at these remaining schedules with, I mean, Utah state, they're up right now. Their schedule's brutal to close. I mean, CSU's got a really tough schedule. San Diego State, everybody. If you're the Rams, you got seven games left. I said this morning, I think if you could go six and one, I would pretty much guarantee that gives you at least a share of the title. If you go five and two, I still think you have a good chance to split depending on who those five wins are against. Like, you wouldn't be able to be swept by Utah State, obviously. But, I mean, if you could sweep, you know, a San Diego State or a New Mexico and and it... uh, you know, get this series evened against the Nevada, like you should have a pretty good shot here down the stretch when, you know, maybe two weeks ago, it felt like Utah State with a three game lead. It it was all but done. Yeah, exactly. I think, I yeah, the the way that they've played of late has certainly put them back in the in the position where they can kind of control their own destiny, if you will. Um, I think beyond that, with the seven games remaining, if you win at least four of those, that means there there are at least two more victories, and this is excluding Wyoming and Air Force, but two more victories that are going to go a long way in terms of the team sheet and what the selection committee perceives of this CSU team. I think the biggest thing is just setting up the best possible draw for the Mountain West tournament, and it's almost it's almost not even worth projecting what that may look like because on any given night, a team can go from sixth to first at this point. So I've tried, man. I've tried so hard. And then Utah state loses back-to-back games by double digits. New Mexico drops one at the pit. And it's, yeah. I mean, again, for, for guys like us, it's fun to talk about this and, but it is also, I think it's a cliche, but it's true with the coaches It's why they can't look at it that way. You know, Medved the other night, he's like, dude, I, I don't even look at the standings. What's the point? Yeah. It's yeah, that's exactly right. I think, I think the biggest thing, and this is this is maybe going a bit too far down the the rabbit hole, but I think the biggest thing for the competitors, and and this is uh, in addition to Colorado State as well, is you just don't want to have to be the sixth seed because then you have to face off against the eleven, and God forbid if the you know if the sixth seed loses to whoever the San Jose State or Wyoming, like that's dashing, and your season's pretty much over if you're already in the bubble entering a situation like that. And then you have to play four games in four days if you are going to advance to the championship. So I think being able to secure that first round by, which means get, getting the top five seed into the Mountain West tournament and then setting things up the very best way that you can. Maybe it's maybe it's best to get a two or a three seed and just kind of see how it plays off from there because then you can avoid playing the one. But see, now we're talking in circles here about all the different scenarios and stuff. I think... So long as CSU goes at least four or three, four and three down the stretch, it means they have a few more uh, quad one or quad two wins, puts them in a great position where they're not having to press in Vegas. And um, I think that's probably where this team is the most dangerous. So we can just play free flowing basketball and, and see what happens. I'm right there with you. I mean, that's been my message from the start of the season. As much as I want to see this team win the Mountain West, because I think 
just in principle, Isaiah Stevens should win the Mountain West at some point during his career. At the same time, I mean, Boise won the, the regular season Mountain West title twice in three years. Nobody remembers it because they didn't do anything in the postseason. So, like, I, I want to see this team do it. CSU's never done it. And that, too, makes it feel like something that you should just have accomplished. Like, the Rams, they're always in the mix. You know, it's not like this has been a fluky ascension or something right, like that. Uh, but I'm with you. At the end of the day, I want to win the league, but if they finish fourth in the Mountain West but go to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, I'm not going to be sitting back like, damn it, man, we didn't win the regular season title, though. Right, exactly. I think, and at the end of the day, that's where a lot of these conversations and fandom goes to. You want to hang up banners and you want to win conference tournaments and things like that, but the, the difference between being like a seven seed versus being a nine seed is so, so massive towards winning games in the NCAA tournament and avoiding playing a one seed in the second round if you can advance that far. And and really beyond what San Diego State did last year, that's kind of been the detriment of the Mountain West the last decade or so as they have either had some cannibalism down the stretch where the teams are just beating up on each other or uh you know, say CSU comes out and loses against to Wyoming or something like that. Like those are the things that have happened to the Mountain West that is the reason why they aren't set up to be so successful in the NCAA tournament. And that's the reason why the records have played out the way that they have. But just every quality game, every quality win means so much from here on out, whether it's for the Mountain West standings and seeding or or for the NCAA tournament as well. And to their credit, they, they've positioned themselves where they can be right in the mix and they've got five huge games coming up that um, each of them is going to be either when they get some closer to the, the crown or a loss that's going to make things a little bit more dicey down the stretch. So it's, it's all you can really ask for entering the season. I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but you, and I don't, this might be a rabbit hole. It's not worth going down because I'm not even sure we can answer it, but I just wonder to myself, is the league actually, I, I do think it's better. Is it really so much better, though, than it's been in recent years? Or is it a situation where finally the top teams aren't getting penalized from a metric standpoint for losing some of these games to each other? That's interesting. Do you get what I, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I get what you're saying. I, I think the, the very quick answer is yes, I believe it's better. And the reason for that is I think the, the fourth through sixth best teams in the conference aren't and I'm saying this after uh, New Mexico just dropped a game to UNLV at home, but I'm saying this in, in the regards of these teams aren't losing to quad four opponents in non-conference play. They aren't losing to San Jose State and Air Force anymore, and they're actually taking care of business against those teams. So it it, it makes a world of a difference, and it, it's kind of a um, it's kind of an underwhelming answer. I would say that, okay, the mountain West is better now because they're not losing to bad teams. But honestly, at the end of the day, like losing to a team that you shouldn't lose to you or having a couple of quad four losses on your resume, like that, that's a world of a difference when it comes to where these teams are seated in the NCAA tournament. So I think, uh, it's, it's maybe not as top heavy as it used to be. There isn't a 2019 Nevada in here. Year this this year, I don't think there's not a, a I don't know have a Kawhi Leonard San Diego State team in the Mountain West this year, but the top half is just they're taking care of business most nights and uh, just playing solid basketball, and that's that's all you can really ask for for a non-power conference team because the ACC, for example, we're seeing 
some of these bottom half teams, like where would Louisville finish in the Mountain West? Where would Georgia Tech finish? Like, this, well, if a lot you of ask these... their fans on Twitter, they would win the Mountain <laughs> West with ease. Right, exactly. And, I, and I've seen that as well. Um, but I think the margins are so much thinner between where the top half of the Mountain West looks in comparison to the bubbly ACC Big Ten teams. And it's a credit to this league and the coaches who have done an excellent job. Shout out to everybody that came through the CSU watch party with the Alumni Association on Friday nights. What a blast. Uh, we've got some really fun events coming up, including a Super Bowl Sunday party where we will have deals on Outlaw, Bucket Deals on Montucky, and Reeky Spirits, sponsored by Denver Bandits, Breckenridge Broncos Pints, and uh, Broncos memorabilia giveaways will be available uh, with a donation. On the 16th, we're going to have American Raptors Rugby Watch Party. That's 3 p.m. Mountain Time with giveaways and players from the team. Follow us on social at dnvr underscore sports or go to thednvr.com slash events to check out our calendar. Finally, I want to shout out our homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew has been with us since the very beginning. They've got a beer to make any occasion better. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. I'm a big Avalanche Amber Ale guy, but you can't go wrong with any of their awesome selection. Mountain Beach Sour. Uh, you can go with a little seltzer season. Maybe you want to mix it up on the Super Bowl. A little too much beer. You need to lighten it up with the seltzer. They've got you covered. I love Breck Brew. You love Breck Brew. We all love Breck Brew. Check out that Breck Beer locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. It's fun. I'm glad you brought up the ACC just because it's been funny to see the, the interactions online or even, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Tate Frazier fan. I listen to the One Shining podcast and obviously as a UNC guy, you know, I, he's a little irked with the Mountain West this year. And there's a part of me that's like, oh man, it kind of stinks. Like I would have liked to have seen them get excited about the Mountain West. And then there's a part of me that's like, you want to know what? We don't need the validation. We are a power conference in our own right, at least on the yeah, side. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think at the end of the day, the Mountain West has so much more of a positive national perception right now than it did five years ago. And that's even with just one team, last year's San Diego State team, even making a run in the NCAA tournament. But I think people just genuinely enjoy the brand of basketball that's being played, the excitement. There's so many close games, the the arenas are always filled like it's a it's a great basketball league. And especially as some of these power conference teams tail off and have really poor seasons uh, in, in which like they're just turned into memes online, basically, like the Mountain West has kind of kind of uh, removed themselves from that conversation. And I think it's uh, it, it builds its way to just having a better national perception and, and that it really helps the conference overall. Got to back it up with the postseason success, which is something we've talked about plenty of times. but. I'd be surprised if the league went over this year. Like, I'll just say, like, I just think these teams are legitimately good. And I have a hard time seeing all of them come up short in neutral settings, you know, especially if they get favorable draws. Um, knife to your back. Who's the most dangerous team in the league right now? And you don't have to pander to me. I know I'm a CSU guy, but like, that's we're bringing you on because we value your perspective. Who's the most uh, impressive? Who's the most dangerous to you at this time? Sunday, February 11th, roughly 11.25 a.m. Mountain Time. I'm, I'm glad you prefaced with that because my answer changes on, uh, it seems like every hour. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> I think, and this kind of goes against what I said earlier, but I think it's still San Diego State. And the reason for that is 
they have dudes who have been there, and I just don't think there are many teams that can defend Jaden Ladee. Like, that's whether you're stopping him from scoring from the elbow like he does or if he's just drawing fouls. When this when this Aztecs team is hitting from the perimeter with their guards, they, they're just so dangerous, and they're still not even playing defensively as well as we're accustomed to them playing. So I would say it's the Aztecs. I know that's a little bit of a cop-out, but, um, man, it, it just seems like on any given night, and this is a cliche as well, but like on any given night with, with these teams, so long as their their stars are hitting and they're defending a high level, like each of them is capable of reaching the second weekend. I'd say, especially with the way that the seeds are are looking right right now. So um, I'd have to go to the Aztecs right now. It just feels like it's, it's a safe bet in March that the Aztecs are going to get the job done. So I'll go with them. I think it's fair. I mean, Ladie is obviously a beast. Um, that was, I will say, that was what was really encouraging about CSU's victory against San Diego State. I did think they handled Ladie well. I also felt like the Rams won comfortably despite San Diego State shooting better from deep than they have tended to of late. So that was encouraging to me because that was one of the things that I pointed out going into that matchup was like, I mean, Ladie's a beast. They haven't really been hitting the threes. If you know guys like Parrish and Butler start getting it going, that's where it gets really challenging because you're trying to close out on them. But you're also, I mean, you basically have to double Ladie if he can get a post-up opportunity. It becomes really challenging. Um, but I'm with you. I think that's I think that's a fair answer. Last thing I'm going to ask you before we get out of here, and I don't want to focus on this a ton, but there there are national reports, obviously, that Nico Medved is a pretty hot candidate for some high major openings. I don't think that's shocking to anybody, but West Virginia is one where it seems to he seems to have some smoke uh, now. His wife is from Morgantown. Her dad is a, a big time WVU donor. Obviously, that's. Um, I mean, it's a school that has great support for athletics, but also, I mean, that's going to be a tough job in the Big 12. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is West Virginia actually a a good job, especially moving forward with that conference being as deep as it is? If you were to move on, what do you think about promoting Ali for Okmanesh? Yeah, well, I think think that's a great place to start is that Ali for Okmanesh has been a hot name in the coaching industry for a while now. And it seems like his, uh, his expectation that he'll become a head coach seems rather inevitable uh, and no matter how soon that is going to be. But if that were to be the case, uh, that the men that were to leave either for West Virginia or um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I wouldn't be mad if he went to the university of Washington for, for my Huskies. Um, but I think just, uh, I, I think staying in house and going with Froknesh, if that were to happen, um, I think is a great move for this university, given that it, it kind of keeps things stabilized. It probably means that a lot of the young players would stick around. And I know this is way down the road, but um, Froknesh has proven that he's he's an excellent talent uh, seeker, knows what he's doing. And it, like I said, it feels inevitable that he's going to be a head coach at some point, whether that's with CSU or not. And um, if CSU were to have a vacancy, then you might as well fill the hole with someone who, who knows how to win there and, and knows how to compete for championships and get to the NCAA tournament. So, um, yeah, I think it, it and there, we've run into the circumstance before with with Medved as I believe he drew Minnesota rumors not too long ago and has been tied to a bunch of other jobs. And it's always tough in conferences like these where. You, you want your guy to be there forever. It's not realistic. I thought the same with Kalen DeBoer from, from UW football. Of course, that doesn't always work out that way. But 
I think just so long as you can keep the train moving with guys who know how to win at this level, know how to find talent that high majors may be overlooking. It's how they landed Isaiah Stevens and David Rowdy and a lot of these other guys. So um, I think CSU, given this last three to five year window that they've had Nico Medved and his staff, they're in, they're in a great position to continue to, to win at a very high level moving forward. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, Nico and Ali both stay for the next 25 years and run it together. And, you know, we all live kumbaya happily ever after. <laughs> but it's it's one of those tough ones, the, the costs of winning. Um, I, I did find it interesting. I will say there seemed to be some politicking going on from Tim Miles in Fort Collins. I think he knew what he was doing, getting some of those old players in town, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands with donors, you know, like. If he happens to leave, you know, I'm I'm a great guy. <laughs> you got my number. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, real quick, going back to your earlier point too, just about conferences and where college sports is headed, not to take too far of a, a broad look here, but either you can be in the Mountain West, you can be a top three, top four program in the Mountain West, which at this point guarantees that you're probably going to be in the mix for an at-large berth, or you could be, like, I don't know, the 10th best program in the Big 12 moving forward. And you have to count on a really good year to finish above 500 and to compete for the NCAA tournament. And of course, like money, support, uh, services, like the facilities, recruiting, that's all way different. And I get that. But in terms of competing, and I'd say the same thing about transfers as well, who transfer down, like your likelihood of of getting to the NCAA tournament and winning is a lot better if you're the third best team in the Mountain West than being the 10th best team in a power conference. Like that's, that's just, that's what the numbers say. And, and that's, and that's the reality of it. Of course, well, there I think are a, lot a lot of coaches practice. find that out the hard way. A guy like Tim miles going to Nebraska where it's, I mean, even if you do a great job, man, that's, that's a tough ask. Yeah, it, it is. And especially if you don't get the job done and in three or four years, you're looking for a new job. Is it going to be better than the job that you had previously? Like, you know, if, if any of these head coaches were from the Mountain West were to leave, get a power conference job, not get the job done in three to four years, but they get a new job that's as good as the Mountain West? I don't know. Like, I don't know. It, it's kind of a toss up. So um, it's my vouch for a lot of these Mountain West coaches to stick around because this is a really, really good league, a uh, competitive league that is now sending consistently three, four, five teams in the NCAA tournament. Well, like you said, man, it comes down to resources and all that. I get it. If somebody's going to double or sometimes even triple your salary, that's pretty tough to, to you know, not take. But I, I just can't help but think, you know, I look at a program like San Diego State, and obviously they're kind of an anomaly, but, I mean, resources-wise, there's no reason CSU can't be a team that's in the NCAA tournament year in, year out. They've now got an NBA, you know, lottery pick. They've got, or not a lottery pick, NBA draft pick. You know, they've, they've been able to get some high major transfers that have come in and made an impact. I, I don't know. Obviously, I'm a CSU guy, so that's me like being like, why why would you want to leave? I mean, it's Fort Collins. It's great college town. Moby Madness. It's an epic atmosphere. If you have a down year like last year, you're not immediately getting run out of town. I mean, there, there's benefits. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, there, there are totally benefits. And I think looking at Nevada when they had Eric Musselman, even though he left, and I think a lot of Nevada fans thought he was going to stay for much longer than he did, it it still ended up working out pretty fine. I would say that they're able to land a, a coach of the stature of Steve Alford to 
continue the the run of success that they've had lately. And I know the first couple of years with with all four there weren't ideal, but now they're right back in the NCAA tournament mix. They've already returned last season. So I think just being on that upward trajectory and sustaining it the best you can. Utah State's rolled through coaches like crazy the last half decade, and they're they're sitting right at the top of the mountain west still. So uh, yeah, I think so long as you can sustain it, and that kind of goes back to Ali Farouk Manesh and, and what he could potentially do. Uh, I think that's all you can really ask for for a non-power conference school at the end of the day. Eli, you're the man. You cover college basketball as well as anybody in the country, and I'm not saying that just because we're friends. I, I mean that wholeheartedly. Guys, make sure you go follow him at HeatCheckCBB. Also, give his personal account a follow. Is that just Eli Becker, or is there an underscore in there? Yeah, Becker underscore Eli. Yep. That's right, Becker underscore Eli. He does it as well as anybody. He's the man. He's the myth. He's the legend. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my teeth, tucked into new prodigies. And we ain't spoke in a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave But I'm still thankful for these days